What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio.
can we play a clip for um, this great actor that has recently passed away? Or maybe. Or Mayberry. Maybe. Mayberry. <laughs> can we... Can we... Don, gets it. Can we play a quick clip of this fantastic actor who I think that we lost? Who might have been lost. Who might... Mayberry been lost. <laughs> All right, here we go. And now uh, for the second highlight of our day. Uh, Dr. Bean, great English art scholar, is here to speak for a few minutes, not too long, doctor, <laughs> on the subject of our new purchase. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Bean of the National Gallery of England. is to sit and look at paintings. Um, so, um, what have I learned that I can say about this painting? Um, well, well, firstly, it's quite big. Which is excellent. Because if Okay, it's a little too quiet. Um, if anybody wants if anybody wants to take a, a listen to that, that is from Mr. Bean the movie and it is with Whistler's mom. And I gotta tell you, my freshman year of college, I did um, public speaking. I did a speech on Mr. Bean. Um, he's not just Mr. Bean, he's Rowan Atkinson, and I played all these amazing clips, and then my, um, art appreciation class, I actually did a report on Whistler's mom due to Mr. Bean, and because of that, I actually made the honor roll because my public speaking class said that was far and beyond more than what I expected. And my art appreciation class, which I was getting an F in, when I did that whole Whistler's mom thing, and I even included Mr. Bean in that report, I got an A. Nice. So, um, the, the good news is, is that Rowan Atkinson is not dead. He is alive. Yes. He was yes. another victim of the Internet. In fact, I was strolling through my homepage, and my mom actually posted the Mr. Bean, uh, Rowan Atkinson, R.I.P., and I'm like, oh! and I'm looking in naked, I'm like, no. And he's like, what? I was like, no. And he's like, what? I was like, somebody died today. And he was like, a friend? I was like, that's one of my favorite actors. <laughs> and he was like, yeah. going through names. And I was like, Rowan Atkinson is dead. And then niggas like, Google it. I was like, son of a bitch, another actor dead from the internet hoax. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. Tell me about it. That's why from now on, every time I see it, I go back and check. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, Nick, Nick told me Robin Williams just died, and I'm like, no. Yeah, last year. <laughs> he was on himself, and I'm like, no, Betty White, man, that one got me too. I was like, I know, right? Why did my head was falling off? Come on, Jonathan. I know that you got somebody that with the internet internet hoax death that got you. Well, I, I've fallen for like ten of these things so far. Uh, I fell for John Goodman. I love John Goodman. Steve. Oh, Bernie. John Goodman, that's I, right. I, I fell for the the. Uh, um, What's his name? George Clooney, fake death yeah. uh, in a car accident. Uh, the thing is, I, I'm gullible, so I, I'll believe all of these things. Though yeah. there's also the possibility that somebody is actually killing them and replacing them with clones. So it may actually be a super villain, super plot, and they may actually be dead. That's right. Killing off Hi, I'm your clone. Yeah, I'm your clone leader. Take yeah. mine. And frankly, I, I, think a, I think an evil clone of Rowan Atkinson would be the scariest thing that is also hilarious. So, yeah, I'm in. Especially if he his black yeah, adder personality. Yeah, yeah like invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it was like uh, 30 minutes within posting that Rowan, at, that was like the fastest growing internet hoax death ever. Within 30 minutes of posting that, it got like a million likes. It's yeah, like, and, you know, why I, do you like that Rowan Atkinson just died? How do you... Well, there's, 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 no, there's no sympathy button, though. There's no sympathy button. There's just only like. So you gotta you got to say something. But yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of hoaxes out there. I got, I got Couldn't they do it for the Kardashians? What's that? Yeah. Oh, the Kardashian hoax. Couldn't they do it yeah. for them? I would like God. anything that goes bad with them. Oh, Kim Kardashian just broke her leg. Like, Kanye West <laughs> really. just uh, dumped I don't know. I don't even... I'm not even going to get into it. But they just yeah. broke up. Like... <laughs> All right, all right. Well, I, I, I got I got fooled by the Breaking Bad uh, uh, sixth season hoax. There there was a there was one that it was a news article seated, and it was so convincing with quotes from all the right people saying that Brian Cranston had a, had had an idea for another season of Breaking Bad, and and they were going to go back and do it. And I was I was all in. I even I was even lecturing that day at the San Diego Law Library, and I mentioned it. Said. Wow, this is this is an example of of Hollywood getting a great idea. Five minutes later, they you know I find out this is a total hoax. It's like great, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love looking like an idiot. I really do. You know. Oh yeah, no, we all. Yeah, we all in that club. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the amazing thing about Facebook right now because, I mean, think about all these death celebrity death hoaxes. They're always happening on Facebook. Everything that's happening right now is on Facebook. Don't yep. you wish you were Zach from is is that his name? Zach Efferman? Zuckerman. Zuckerman. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's don't Zuckerman. you wish you were him to know that you have that much power in the world right now that if you post something on his website it's going to go viral, like, immediately. 
Oh yeah, I, th- oh, I think yeah. I think Doctor Mean grooves on that, so that's 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 probably what gets him up in the morning. Yeah, probably. Uh-huh. I know. You, you as soon as you get up in the morning, what do you got to do? I got to check Facebook. Yeah. Who How did I change me? the world today? Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, speaking of changing the world, Nick is like, "Give me the phone. Give me the phone. I got announcements. Give me the phone." All right, <laughs> okay, here well, we go, Nick. Here we go, Nicholas Grabowski with Black Betsy Books and the World of Publishing. Not the World of Publishing. Yeah. Corner of the World of Publishing. Hey, folks. Uh, hey. I have got a hey. few announcements. Um, of course, uh, I, I have to begin by uh, just mentioning my dad, who's in the hospital, um, dealing with that. Uh, and as usual with, you know, like things that go on with my life throughout this whole publishing business kind of thing since 2008, no matter what happens to me, I'm always like, uh, you know, uh, on the up and up with doing what I'm supposed to do with that, meeting the goals of my authors and myself and getting our books out there and published on time, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, so none of you have to worry. <laughs> it's just, you know, challenge after challenge happens, but um, for all of you listening that are concerned, I am uh, on the verge of launching a very, very uh, unique to, I guess, small presses like myself um, campaign from uh, October 1st through the end of the year uh, and the holidays of, um, of putting out our retailer's catalog and um, assaulting the world of uh, independent horror bookstores or independent bookstores with our books. And, um, and like I, I was talking about uh, last Sunday, uh, probably more in the archives is when, when I was talking to Fred Weehy and some of the authors that called in, uh, I, I was um, talking a lot about uh, this, this uh, new strategy that I have. Uh, uh, you know, if you want to get into uh, any kind of bookstores, you have to have returnability, and I've been trying to wrap my head around that for the finances that I have. It's very difficult for a small press to have returnability in this day and age. I mean, aside from that, I mean, anybody can publish a book and put it out to the masses, but we have to, we, we want to make money. We want to get our books out there. And uh, so this, this new catalog that is, uh, that is directed uh, expressly towards independent bookstores with returnability and books that are dirt, dirt cheap so that, uh, you know, they, there's, there's a guarantee that if they don't sell, you know, I, I flip the cost for that. And uh, um, so it's going to be a huge campaign and uh, – that's why I required every well didn't require I, I I went to all of my authors and asked them if they wanted to extend their contracts through March of next year and I've got this like huge thing that's going on this is August right now wait until September uh, a lot of announcements on downward.com and on our Facebook page and everywhere I believe in all of you that I published I've got like about 70 authors under my belt and I really, I mean, um, I, I, I'm, I, you know, just like all of you, I've got my own stuff to promote. And, you know, our, our special guest, Jonathan Mayberry, who I love and respect, um, he, knows, uh, he, he knows what we're about. And uh, he's, he's actually said some good comments about some of our stuff 
that we do, yeah, like yeah. Fred Weege and stuff and things. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, we've we've got good quality stuff. I, I what I'm all about, and I started out as just wanting to write for me, just to write, and uh, that I started to when I when I started to develop the idea of self-publishing my own stuff. I started going around town with friends and I, I got like Jake history who was the first um, author that I ever published. That wasn't me who's local in his poetry. I figured out, I got the bug about, you know, what it's like to publish other people. And then over the course of time, I figured it's not just about me. I've got my own things to pimp, and I love my own stuff, but I want to take people along and just, like, pimp them too. And it just started, and it blossomed, and it turned into this thing. And uh, we've been around since 2008. And uh, uh, watch out for us, because this fall through winter, we are going to be in bookstores, and we are going to take over in the small press and let people know that uh, all of our authors are like somebody, some people to read that are cool. They're going to entertain you, and I encourage reading too. You know, so and uh, so anyway, that I guess that's what I have to say. Without further ado, I'm going to turn it over to Francie and Jonathan Mayberry. A and I are going to talk, but we got a lot. Francie has a lot to talk with him, and uh, we've got callers. And yeah, and I'm shaking Francie's hand as I turn the phone to her. the phone. I know you want to talk to Jonathan too because you're such a big fan. And and that's what's really cool, Jonathan. Is everybody that talks to you. Like, you've been on our show before, and I'm like, mm -hmm. gosh, we've got to have Jonathan Mayberry back. I mean, because you're such a good person. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> well, well, thank you for saying that. It's true. Oh. I mean, you know, and uh, it's it's absolutely true. You know that, right? I, I, I try not to be a, a jackass. Um, it's, it's an important thing. Um, and, and actually, that comes with backstory. So can I just tell you a little bit about that vibe? Because it, it, there, there's, a, there's a reason why I try to be, you know, uh, a part of the solution, part of the, the way forward for a lot of people in writing rather than, you know, an obstructionist. When I was a kid, I, got, I had the opportunity to become um, friendly with Ray Bradbury and Richard Matheson through the librarian of my middle school. And uh, yeah. those guys, I mean, we're talking two of the giants of publishing. And they went out of yeah. their way to give me help and advice and so on. Part of the advice was about writing, but a lot of it was about how to be a good guy, you know, because they were both very good guys. And, you know, Richard Matheson's Ten Commandments for uh, how to get along in the publishing world, commandment one is don't be a jackass. Commandment two is read <laughs> commandment one. Commandments three through ten are, are don't be a jackass, but said louder. Um, and that that was really important. You know, I, I, mind you, I was twelve when he told me that. And then Bradbury, Bradbury's advice was uh, writers should help other writers. Period. You don't put a price tag on it. You don't ask for a favor in return. Uh -huh. Writers should help other writers. And you know, this was nice. an incredibly formative thing for me. And. Uh, then, you know, roll forward to the economic downturn. You know, I was, I've, I've been in publishing, I started in publishing in 78. 
uh, nonfiction, and I switched to novels in 2006. But in 2009, when the economic downturn happened, I saw, you know, so many of my writer friends got really slammed. But I also saw the evolution of two different camps within the writing world. One camp is very fear-based. People who think that if you help someone else, if you help another writer, they're going to take your chance, your opportunity, your advantage, and you won't get it. So they're all fear-based. And the other camp are the people who believe that if, if writers help other writers, more good books will get written, more books will get published, more people will therefore want to read, and all the publishing and all its forms will prosper. I like that camp. So it's yeah. Not, you know, I, uh, yeah, I do it's, too. It's, yeah, it's, it's all about, you know, we're all in this together, no matter whether you're self-published or conventionally published, whether you're, you're just starting out or you've been in it for a while. We all go through the same stuff as writers. It's tough enough. We do not need to make it tougher by backstabbing and kicking each other in the shins. We need to just pick, you know, help each other up and move forward. And it's much more fun that way too. So wow, my I, 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 I have to say we've had writers on here, and Nick is a writer, and Nick is always saying the same thing, uh, kinda. But I have to say that is probably the best advice that any writer can give any inspirational writer out there advice. It, it, it's really good yes, advice. And, and like lately, I've been, I've been doing a lot of keynote speeches. I, I just did the, the Writer's Digest uh, annual conference in New York, and I, my keynote speech, speech was basically a longer version of what I just said. You know, uh, we got to work together. And also, you know, writers sticking together in, in, in a community building and and, and networking and so on. And one of the reasons I've always liked Nick is because he always had a positive spin. Um, he always was there supporting, visibly supporting other writers. And, you know, that's exactly what we need. That's, that's yeah. what's going to help this, this all, you know, all work out for us. Yeah. I view it as a never expanding pie, you know, where it's, it's, there's big, there's plenty of pie to go. It's always expanding because of that, you know, that's just you my philosophy. You know, it's just, no, you're, you're, at, you're absolutely correct. There is. Anyone who anyone who's, who thinks that that they need to be selfish and hog it all because there's not enough to eat, you know, it, it is mm-hmm. not true. It is not. So and you get yeah. ideas from other writers too. I mean, it lets you, it, you know, I you know, yeah. writers sitting around talking about writing. You know, people sometimes people say, oh well, they're going to steal my idea. We all have more ideas than we'll ever have time to write. We're yeah. not looking to steal anyone else's idea. We're looking to like maybe a little feedback or share it or have some fun. Mm-hmm. We're not looking to steal. We're looking to share. Yeah, and uh, let me let me just say, um, Jonathan, um, we do have Tom Sawyer who's been talking to you, and Tom Sawyer is actually a fan of your writing. And uh, he he definitely wanted to call in, and uh, Tom is actually a regular. Well, I consider him part of the show without a doubt. And when he yeah. found out that you were going to be on the show, he, so Tom, um, Jonathan. Okay, Hi, but we got to let Jonathan and Tom talk right now, Nick. So, uh, Tom. How you doing, Tom? Oh, pretty good. Like I mentioned earlier, uh, my son turned me onto your books. The first one was Patient Zero, and then I went down the line, and you know, um, and I have Rotten Ruin too. So I haven't got to that yet. I'm ashamed to well, say, but the Joe Ledger novels, I'm a big fan of. Well, you know, Joe Ledger actually shows up in the last three of the Rotten Ruin books. Starting oh, okay. With 
It's a little older. But the, how, yeah. how old is your son? He's going to be 30 this year. Wow, cool. So uh, it's not it's not one of those examples of a 12-year-old reading stuff he's not allowed to read. Oh, no, no, no. But, <laughs> hey, that's not bad, though, either. You get a 12-year-old attached to your books, you've got them for life, hopefully, you know. That's yeah, true. Some of the some you of the know. Joe Ledger stuff gets a little rough for kids, but uh, yeah. Hey, anyway, tell, tell your son uh, I said uh, hua. <laughs> oh, I will. How did you come up with Joe Ledger? Can I ask you that, just out of curiosity? I'm just how did you develop that character? Well, he, actually, he kind of snuck up on me. Here, here's how it worked. I was sitting in a diner uh, doing notes for uh-huh. a nonfiction book on the on uh, the science of zombies. Zombie CSU, okay. for the Living Dead. And okay. as I'm sitting there doing notes, two characters just started talking in my head. Now, if you're not a writer, this is a cry for help. You know, <laughs> I'm not it, saying nothing. But if you are a writer, it's pretty much another day of the job. You know, characters oh. just start becoming real suddenly. They start having conversations, scenes happen. So the characters were having such an interesting conversation. I had no idea where the hell it came from. I stopped working on Zombie CSU and started writing down that conversation. And then, as writers do, I took it over and guided it. And later, you know, later on, I got home and I said, "Wow, I've got I've got a, a scene in in the thriller. It was the scene where Joe Ledger is being interviewed by Mr. Church um, in in the warehouse, you know, to, to get his uh, to have him join." And um, by the end of that day, I had I had made extensive notes, but I didn't have the name of the character. So my wife, my son, and I sat down. And uh, over dinner, and, and came up with the name of the character. And as soon as I had the name of the character and that little bit of plot, everything fell into place. Now, the personality of Joe comes from a couple different places. You know, he's a former Baltimore cop who, who, who's also a martial artist and a former Army Ranger who becomes this special ops guy. His personality, in terms of his snarky, smart-ass sense of humor, uh, he does get from his author. Now, the weird thing is... <laughs> Joe is funnier than I am, and I don't understand how that works. He's considerably funnier than the guy who writes his dialogue, and that is just borderline freaky to me. <laughs> I'm not sure how that works. Um, we share the same martial arts background, and some of our childhood uh, stuff is the same, but his experience in, in, in uh, real combat, in, in life or death stuff, comes from several people I've known who are in special ops, SWAT, uh, Special Forces, and so on. And and I've borrowed quite a bit from the experiences of real people, including Eric Haney, who I I know, who is one of the uh, creators of Delta Force, the original Delta Force. I borrowed some elements from him, and and they know that I've borrowed elements from from their their real adventures to build Joe. Nice. Well, that's cool. I mean, you know, that's interesting, because sometimes I... Just from my perspective, I just from my characters, I just kind of look at some people that I've seen or know or met. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're definitely a character, you know. Well, I mean, you figure we writers are professional like eavesdroppers and keeping toms. We we look at the real world and we listen to it and pay attention to it, and we just borrow heavily from it. You know, we a lot of my characters are like yours. They're drawn from people around me, either whole or in bits and pieces. And yeah. uh, and there's quite a few actual real people under their own name who show up in my books, too. Though, if I put a friend in a book, there's a very good chance they're going to die in some horrible and humiliating way. Because, you know, you only hurt the ones you love. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I usually reserve that, that for somebody who I dislike, so... 
you know, it it, it depends. Uh, yeah. I you know, I've I've done pretty bad things to to very bad people, but uh, like like having a couple of my friends when I was doing the novelization of the the movie The Wolfman, I there was mm-hmm. a, yeah. in the script there's 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 a reference to two orderlies. And, you know, in the novel, you have to give them personality. So I named them after a couple of friends of mine, had them, like, torn apart by the Wolfman. I figured, why why wouldn't I do that? It's it's, it's a sign of affection, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, I'm not touching that one. Yeah. I'm not trying to have you give anything away. What's in store for Joel Ledger? Well, is it I true just, there's going to be a TV series? Uh, yeah. That's actually a more complicated answer. So I'll, I'll, I'll let me first give you what's happening with Joe right now. I just yesterday finished the uh, the revisions on Kill Switch, the eighth Joe Ledger novel, and that is the weirdest one of the series because it not only deals with EMP technology, the Stargate program, which is um, a remote viewing program that the CIA actually had at one point. Um, this kind of psychic warfare thing to try to get started, but it also has elements of Cthulhu and interdimensional travel and super screen series. So that was a that's a weird book, and that'll be out next April. And I and I recently sold the ninth Joe Ledger book, Dogs of War, uh, but the the plot of that's kind of under wraps still. But that will be out the following year. We have a an anthology of Joe Ledger short stories in the works, where I'm actually going to be co-editor with Brian Thomas Schmidt. And a bunch of New York Times bestsellers, uh, Christopher Golden, Larry Correa, Weston Oaks, uh, Steve Alton, a bunch of others, uh, even even Sherilyn Kenyon are going to write Joe Ledger short stories, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, All right, Tom. I don't want to interrupt. Uh, we do have a caller. Um, okay, we'll, I we'll do... come back to the Joe Ledger TV okay. stuff in a second, then. Oh, I'm, okay. so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, uh, this should be Lindsay. Um, she was asking questions from the chat room, and I told her, why don't you just call in? So cool. this should be Lindsay right here. Hold on. 832, Lindsay. Hi, this is Lindsay. Hey, Lindsay. Well, I'm on top of everything. Hello. <laughs> Can you call? How you doing? Uh, you're you're on live with Jonathan Mayberry. Feel free to curse. We don't, you know. So. We're not prejudiced against it. <laughs> no. Thanks anyway, but I was just curious um, if there have been any casting updates or potential casting updates that you've had since we last spoke in July. Uh, well, yes. Is this Lindsay from Texas? Of course it is. <laughs> oh, hello, Lindsay from Texas, my, my evil henchman. Um, yeah. Uh, actually, there are a couple things going on, but everything is very much under wraps right now. Uh, there's a big Hollywood pitch for Joe Ledger happening this week, and I am under death threat to uh, to keep I silent on, on. Yeah, but I'm hoping that pretty soon we're going to have some interesting news. But we're right now, and this this kind of also answers Tom's question. Right now, the producers are split on whether they want to do a movie or a TV show, and at this moment, it looks like the movie pitch is going to happen this week. So we'll see if that goes through. If not, then they may, they may try the, the TV pitch. But the, the both producers are very enthusiastic about uh, getting this thing rolling. But uh, I don't know what shape it's going to take yet. If you had your choice, would you prefer a TV show or a movie? Well, TV for, for one reason. 
there's more story to tell. A movie, it's two. It's a two-hour story every couple of years. Where TV, it's ten hours at minimum. If it goes on one of the cable stations, ten hours of storytelling uh, per season, and it can go on for years. So, you know, as a storyteller, I would of course love to see a TV show, but. I can also, you know, I mean, when I wrote it, I had feature film in mind, so I'm really torn on it. I, I can see it going both ways. It'll be different each way, but it would be pretty, pretty incredible. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I just figured I would call in. Thank wow. you, Lindsay. Thank you, Lindsay. <laughs> Welcome. Have a great evening, guys. All right. You too. Thank you. <laughs> that was very cool. Thank you, Lindsay, yeah. for calling in. Uh, yeah, that's how easy it is, people. Just like follow follow the website and call the number, ask a question. We don't bite too much. Not too uh, much. Yeah, not much. <laughs> no, um, no, but I have a question for John. Then, <laughs> what's what's harder to do, like in a background uh, storyline for a character? Uh, wait, I, 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 a little bit of static there. What's harder to do, either the background or the storyline? Yes. Um, hmm. I, I most of my characters come into my head pretty fully formed, um, so they're, they've always been easier for me. Character stories always start with the characters and what their experience is, so they're easier for me to to to, to get and to build a backstory for. Um, it's a, it's a little more tr- a little trickier, especially in an ongoing series, to build um, to do background research because each of my books has a lot of science in it. Um, like I'm doing a lot of research uh, right now on uh, space travel for one book, not a Joe Ledger book. I'm doing research on robotics for another book, and I mean that there's a lot that goes into getting all the science right, even if only one percent of what you research winds up in the book. You still got to do all that research to find out what the most important thing is, what the most interesting thing. So the, the storyline is is the most challenging. Wow! Thank you so very much. Thank you. Yeah. For for me, it's kind of like um, you know, when like you are amazing. I mean, you're an amazing writer. That's why you are where you are today. And that's why people like me and Tom Sawyer and Nicholas Grabowski and every writer that I know, they freaking look up to you. I mean, like, everybody wants to be. And it's so, like I said before, it's so amazing how humble you are with everything. Uh, uh, You know, it's funny. I I don't consider humility so much as I consider a, a, a decent perspective check. You know, I mean, I, I know I have some skills, but I've also had some breaks, too. I've had some opportunities come my way that, that have allowed me certain career advantages. You know, not all of it is because I am the most wonderful writer who ever lived. Though, of course, you know, we can all agree that I am. <laughs> um, no, it, it's, you know, some of it is, is you know, the vagaries of the business, too. Um, so getting a big head about success is is a little silly. And... At the end of the day, you know, all of my writer friends, no matter what level of career uh, attraction they have, all my writer friends, we're in this because we're book nerds. And, you know, yeah. that makes us, that puts us on really equal footing, all, you know, right from the jump. We're, we're, we're all book geeks. 
And and I think that's, you know, and, and what you're saying is, you know, and that's, I think that that's what makes you separate from other people because Oh, you gotta stop like, now. I had a New York Times best-selling author. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah, I, I don't want to shake hands with a small press. But you're yeah, not well, like... No, and, and I, but I'm not alone. Like, there's a lot of guys out there who love doing small press stuff, you know, because small press yeah. is where a lot of the most innovative stuff's happening. I mean, there, there are times, uh, one of the reasons that I That's do... That's blood, sweat, and tears right press, there. Yeah, but one of the reasons I do... Um, Stories of short of small presses quite often is because it gets allows me the opportunity to take creative risks I could never take in a in a with a bigger press. They would they they don't have the sometimes the creative leverage to allow us to really flex our creative muscles. We're in small press, man. That that's where the creativity is fully alive. Yeah, exactly. And that's I I was hoping that you would actually say that because you know we have a lot of independent filmmakers on this show too, and they say the exact same thing. I mean, it's like we get to stretch our muscles more, we get to do what we want to do, and there's not like this big thing behind us saying no, you can't do that. Yeah, and I love yeah. I love taking creative risks. It's I've built a career yeah. on. On trying stuff that I haven't tried before. Exactly, and I think that's I think that's awesome. And you know, tell us about what you're doing with the X Files because are they remaking the series? What's going on with the X Files? Because you've got a hand in that. Well, here's here's what's happening with that. It's it started with IDW Comics, a wonderful comic book company. It's based in San Diego, not too far from where I live. And they got the le- they're one of the companies that do licensed comics. They like they do the Orphan Black comic, Transformers, GI Joe. They get the license from the, the owners of the license to be able to do more stories. And with X Files, they got the license through the official season ten of the show as a comic book. Wow. And Joe Harris is writing it, and he's writing the hell out of it. It's brilliant. Well, I was having lunch with, with Ted Adams, the uh, CEO of, ID, of IDW. We were talking about how much uh, we both love the X-Files I'm a, from, from the first episode. Or actually, that was the second episode for me. But, I, you know, from the second episode of the show, I was totally hooked on, on it. And he's a big fan. And then he asked me, he said, would you be interested in maybe doing some X-Files anthologies? And I don't think I let him get the sentence out before I said yes. Um, but there, but there was a little bit of trepidation on the part of of uh, the license holder because they didn't know that there was really that much of a of an existing fan base out there for X Files, and I know there is because I talk about X Files. Oh a lot. yeah. So oh, I, yeah, I, I thought yeah. I could fill I could fill uh, at least one anthology, if not more, in the, in within an hour just by making calls to some of my writer buddies. And um, they kind of challenged me to see how many I could actually get because they didn't think I'd get more than four or five. Well, I had so many that that they had. You know, when I came back to them, you know, an hour or two later, they said, "Okay, well, let's call Fox and you know, let's talk to Chris Carter." And Chris Carter gave the green light for three volumes, which are now completely filled. The first one, and trust no one, just came out. But around that time, <laughs> after after we were already in in motion with the anthology. We got word coming down from Chris Carter that they are, in fact, doing a what they call a television event. It's, they're not calling it a, an ongoing series because the actors haven't committed to more than just this new cycle of stories. I think it's 
might be either eight or ten or twelve episodes. I forget how many. But it launches in January, and it's, it's Scully and Mulder, it's the lone gunman, it's Skinner, and nice. it's looking man, and they're all back. <laughs> absolutely amazing. And I heard why, that they were the, they were gonna they were talking about doing a a new series yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah, and and in fact, David Duchovny is doing California Nation, and he's well, going to leave that's, it. Come, do yeah, that's, that's coming to an end, and he also has his show Aquarius, which just got renewed for a second season. But mm-hmm. the new model for cable TV is the series seasons are, are you know ten episodes long. That leaves a lot of time for an actor to do a, a multiple series. So he's you know the company will do X Files, he'll do he'll do Aquarius, and still have time for other projects. Now, one of the things about the X-Files uh, anthology, and this is one of the, the, the best parts for me, you know, I, I didn't write a story, I, just, I edited it, but we, got, we made an agreement with uh, Chris Carter and Fox that the stories in the anthology are official canon. They are officially part of the X-Files chronology. So they are official X-Files. Wow! X-Files. And that was huge for us. Yeah, huge. yeah, I bet that. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you said what, what I said was, wow, really? Yeah, and and they're great stories, too. Oh, my God. I, I, I've been fortunate to, uh, to to line up an incredible lineup. I'm just, just the first volume alone, we got Brian Keene. We got Gail Linz, uh, Keith Candido, Kevin J. Anderson, um, Ray Garten, for God's sake, gave us a story. Tim Levin. You know, William Gagliani and David Benton. I mean, just it goes on and on and on. And, you know, we've got two other volumes backed up behind it. And with everyone in it, I mean, just, it's a who's who of, of some of the top horror writers right now and science fiction and fantasy writers and mystery writers. So we're, we're well, incredible. Even, even, even Dean Hagland, who plays Ringo, one of the three, one of the lone gunmen, is writing a story for me. Very nice. Cool. Yeah, that's really cool. That is, so. it's, it's- X files on steroids is what it sounds like is going to happen. Yeah, yeah, and they put out an X files board game that's doing really well too. Uh, also, oh, IDW uh, and uh, IDW is a lot of fun to work with. I'm doing also my V Wars projects with them, and uh, you know they're shopping a V Wars television show. They're putting out a board game this week. We did comics and we did anthology. So you know. This is a company that it, it was a small press a few years ago. It was a comic book company. It's become one of the biggest, and now they're making a, you know some bones in, in prose, uh, the prose world, but with anthologies. And I'm fortunate to be editing a, a bunch of them for them. It's great. That that is really awesome. I got to tell you, um, I just started off as manager of a movie theater when the X Files nice. movie nice. came out, and Oh my gosh, what a hit it was. I mean, we had to take couches out of our lobby just to let people <laughs> sit, you know, because everybody wanted to see it. And I was like, okay, X-Files is a really big hit. And now I think that is completely awesome that, man, you, you've got, I mean, it's got a huge following. Does that make sense? It does. It's got a massive following, and Fox. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think Fox and even Chris Carter realized how big it was until they started, you know, yeah. exploring the idea of doing uh, the show. And the, the response has been tremendous globally, tremendous. Yes. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah, they, 
Fox has always got this uh, reputation of canceling a show when it's at its height, and then people are, like, demanding it, and they're like, okay, we're going to bring it back, because, like, Family Guy and everything else. I mean, yeah. they're like, okay, well, well, we got this hit show. Oh, go ahead. That, that, that's one of the problems with, with network television sometimes is because they, they have to sell the advertising in order to make back their money, um, they they tend to want to save themselves from from getting deeper into a hole, so they they're overly conservative when it comes to supporting a show. One of the new models for television is something that IDW is doing with its properties. Is they're working with an international distributor, so that by the time they sell it to a cable network, it's already been pre-sold to foreign markets, and that pays for the production costs of the American version. And it's oh, a smart wow. new model that will allow. Uh, allow them to be able to do shows and keep, and and let them have enough of a creative run to, to prove themselves. Oh wow! I never thought of that. Well, you know, Fox is not the only one that's pretty notorious <clears throat> for canceling good shows. True. There's a few others. Yep. Yeah, but, like yeah. NBC. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, Nick has has written down some questions that he wants to ask you, Jonathan. In fact, he's grabbing the phone for me now. And in fact, he's the boss, so I have to give him the phone. So here we go, Nicholas Kerbel, my boss. Oh, hey, Jonathan. Hey. Uh, say, um, I got I got one major thing here, and I planned on working on it earlier in the day, but uh, I didn't get around to it until just the uh, last couple of hours or so. But it's actually, well, let me look at my, it's a song about you, and um, it, it's it's actually uh, um, unnamed, but it's about a guy named Jonathan Mary, Mayberry. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Do, do, do Jonathan Mayberry wrote Ghost Road Blues. It blossomed, it blossomed into something not he even knew. Now here he is, living childhood dreams of Captain America and role-playing games. And that goes on my notes, and it goes, um, oh, maybe you, Mr. Mayberry, hold the secret to writing because once you're a success, everybody wants to know as if it's a secret they can't find out for themselves. Once you have millions of readers, they look to you as if they can genuinely help them beyond simple advice. Well, it just kind of went from a song into like a nice little truth there. (laughs) What do you think about that? Everywhere you go and you get interviews, everybody wants to know, what is that secret? God, what is that secret behind that sensational writing that makes you a lot of money and puts you in the New York Times? Best-selling list. It's like, okay, I can only, I can only like give my advice several thousand times. You know, I just do it because I, I love to do it. I'm in this situation right now where I'm doing everything I always wanted to do. You guys, leave me alone. Let me do my shit. There are a couple of uh, there are a couple of things that that kind of stack the odds a bit in your favor, and um, I I found a lot of them out the hard way. I've, if if there are about say fifty mistakes you can make in publishing, 
I checked every single one of those off my list over the years and even added a few. I mean, I've, I've, I've entered into business deals without contracts and did all sorts of stuff, and I learned from it. You know, instead of getting mad about it, instead of like you know shaking my fist at the world, I, I actually took the setbacks as teachable moments, so that I, you know, if if, it, if, if the setback could in any way be be uh, traced back to my lack of understanding of how the business part of publishing works, then I, I went out and learned it. Um, but also. There are a couple of things. One, I, I, I don't get involved in any business deal where both parties won't come out on top. Um, that's, a, that's an important thing. It's got to be a win-win situation that's not worth me getting involved in. And that kind of philosophy, you know, when it gets, when it gets known that your business model is it's a win-win, people want to work with you. That's, that's a big part of it. Another part of it is, and, and this is something Matheson advised me on when I was a kid, he said, do not ever let yourself be pigeonholed. You know, write whatever you want to write and then find the smartest business way to sell it, but keep stretching as a writer. And that was really critical for me because when I started out, I was a magazine feature writer. And then I wrote, yeah. you know, I was writing about martial arts, you know, write what you know, I was a martial arts guy. But I wrote, then I wrote about other things and I, I, I tried stuff, like I tried greeting cards, I tried um, uh, writing package descriptions, you know, copy on, on, on packages. I wrote call floor scripts for pharmaceutical companies. Uh, I wrote textbooks for, for college. I tried everything I could, every different type of writing, because I never knew what was going to be the thing that, that caught. And writing novels was an experiment to see if I could. I didn't, it wasn't something that was my lifelong goal to write novels. Writing was my lifelong goal. But writing a novel was something I wanted to do because I wanted to see if it was something that I would enjoy doing. I've got to enjoy it, and if I could be good at it. And you know that was that became Ghost Road Blues, and I've, I'm I hope I get better with each book. Um, that's that's my goal. What what uh, uh, Jonathan? Hey, uh, so um, you what? Uh, uh, you know, I think you're the only writer that I've ever talked to in my whole life that actually said, "Well, you know, I went from martial arts." Writing in like martial arts magazines, so forth, to uh, to uh, uh, doing everything you just said uh, about like just writing snippets for you know advertising and for this and that and stuff. Um, what uh, did you like when you were growing up before even yeah I say before the martial arts thing? Did it come? Has anything in your life? Uh, compelled you to write stories before that because it, it seems like you got your feet wet at first and then you got the story the story thing out of you with Ghost Road Blues but you were experimenting with just like the little things here and there that really have nothing to do with actually telling stories but the, it, it, it's uh, something for money that people tell you to say hey okay what, what, um, what made you like uh, not or did you? Did you start writing stories before? What What's that about? Well, when I was a little kid, I mean, from the time I could I could speak, I always wanted to tell stories of some sort. I even before I could read and write, I told stories to toys. So I was always into stories. I didn't necessarily want to write fiction. I, I wanted to, actually. I went to college with the, every intention of becoming a crusading journalist. I wanted to become both Woodward and Bernstein. You know, I wanted to be the guy that breaks the big story. And writing for newspapers is probably the one thing in writing I have never done. Um, so in the middle of college, I, we, had ten, we had had one class in magazine feature writing, and I figured, well, that sounds interesting. Let me try that. 
And to tell you the truth, the motivation at the time was because magazine feature writing is a little more like storytelling. It's, it's a, there's a conversational style in magazine features that allow you to infuse a little bit of your personality in it. Um, and right. it definitely has a, a, a dramatic or a narrative flow to it. So I started doing features. Um, I did some how-to stuff, which is a lot drier. But I did features and interviews and travel pieces. Uh, and a lot of it was because I just kept wanting to know stuff. And writing or researching for writing allowed me to know stuff. Um, ah. it, but fic- fiction wasn't really something I was burning to do until it was. And then it became really, really important to me. Now it is it is the most important thing. It, it exploded. novels. Right. Yeah. You, you, once, once you got your first story out, there was no stopping you. Yeah, and I'm actually writing my 25th novel since 2005. So I've been I've been busy. Not the fastest writer I know. I'm, there's a few others that are faster, but I'm in the rearview mirror, you know. And I like the fast lane a lot. Yeah, Jonathan, I can kind of relate to that. I'm not saying I'm comparable to you in any by any means, but my background I started off in journalism. I didn't, from high school, I worked for a newspaper, and that taught me to, and I've done other kinds of writing, PR, press releases, marketing brochures. I ran the gamut writing-wise, but journalism uh, and features and sports and that kind of writing taught me to get them in the first paragraph or the first sentence, because that's exactly. what I had to do in journalism to grab them, and I applied that a lot to when I write fiction. I've always loved to write fiction, but I figured, well, I think going to pay the bills, so... You know, I well, had to well, also, do other you wrote, things too. A journalism class, you know, if you, mm-hmm. you, then you 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 probably developed good good work habits. Good, uh, I learned my best work habits from from studying to be a newspaper guy. You know, mm-hmm. the, it, it, you, don't, you don't get into the whole mythology about the the writer's block. You, you get it done. If it's not right, you fix it and rewrite. You know, so you you know that that that's those are great work habits for any kind of writing. And it has to be sharp you know, and for, concise for, uh, and. Short, and, you know, you for, know, sorry, sorry, guys. I was saying that uh, for it, it, it just, uh, it, it constantly, year after year, uh, when I hear about uh, it, each and every writer that I encountered, their history, what makes them a writer, what makes them tick, why do they want to like do this whole nonsense of writing stories for the world to like read, <laughs> is um, uh, the, the the most articulate ones, the the ones that seem to know what they're doing from the get go, have usually been not always, but usually been uh, people that have uh, learned to uh, learn to um, uh, uh, hone their craft. Uh, just like this, you know, with not yeah. like pursuing, hey, I don't want to write like a novel for everybody. I just want to write for magazines and do this and that and the other thing. But in the process of uh, prepares you. And that's why it, people like Jonathan Mayberry that are great, successful writers uh, and, and anybody else that's in the industry, too, they hone their craft and they have this little background this little mediocre, like, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm just doing my thing kind of background where they hone their craft versus like so many other writers that I encountered that come out of nowhere. Hey, I've got this book. I've got this thing. But, you know, they, it's, it's like a process too. And that's probably, probably like I was talking about Jonathan Mayberry's secret is, is, um, you know, he honed his craft before he even wrote his first fiction novel. So and then all of a sudden, you know, Bram Stoker. You know, it's like, you know, from all these years of of doing just the same thing. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't become you know. a good novelist just because I decided to write a novel. I've been, I've been learning, I've been working on being a writer my whole life. I started publishing in 1978. So, you know, it, it, it isn't, I, I wouldn't compare myself to someone who, who's written a first novel and that's the first thing they ever did because I, you know, it wasn't the first thing I did. It was, it was the latest thing I did. And right, right. I, I did, I, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to bring some skills with me for other stuff. And, you know, with that, though, part of the, the, uh, the thing that keeps me going and keeps me enthused about this is trying different things. And I, I, some writers are afraid to take a risk, and I crave that. I, I, I love taking risks. A good example of this, um, when my uh, – I had written a, a short story called The Family Business for an, uh, for an anthology edited by Christopher Golden called The New Dead. And it was post-apocalyptic zombie thing that I'd written. And I, you know, he wanted me to do something outside my wheelhouse. And so I wrote something that was post-apocalyptic. I'd never written that before. And I wrote something with a teen protagonist because I'd never done that before. So it was all a matter of stretching. That story, you know, was what inspired my agent to pitch me as also a young adult writer. And that became Rotten Ruin. Um, and I would never have gotten the success in YA if I hadn't taken a risk, accepted the challenge of a risk, and, and written a story outside my wheelhouse. Same with comics. When, when Marvel Comics contacted me and, and, and asked if I wanted to try writing comics, I had no experience writing comics. I'd read a bunch. But, you know, my answer was yes, and then I went out and tried to figure out how to do it. So I'm one of those kids. I mean, what can you do? Yeah, I'm kind of like Mikey from Life Commercials. You know, like, ask, uh, give, give it to, to Mayberry. He'll try anything. And I will. I'll try, yeah. I'll try damn near anything, and I'll find a way to have fun with it. And if I don't have the skills for it, I will go out and find out how to get those skills. That's plus it's that kind of the excitement of the challenge, have. isn't it? It's kind of the excitement of the challenge too. It's like, it can, really I make, can I do this? It, will it make it'll make me better to adapt and everything? Um, you mentioned yeah, I, uh, I, Bradbury and Matheson. Are they your biggest yeah. influences? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. And you know, I, my my middle school librarian had introduced me to, to two different clubs of professional writers, for which she was a secretary. So I got to meet Matheson, Bradbury, uh, Gene Roddenberry, oh, Gene Clark, Harlan Ellison. I mean, oh, I had a lot man, of I envy you people there. I met. But Bradbury and Matheson, over a three-year period, you know, I saw them several times, really went out of their way to, to give me guidance, influence, and encouragement. And, you know, they, they taught me about the, the, what the, the craft of writing is, but they also told me about the business of publishing and how the two are not the same thing. Writing is that... Yeah artistic conversation you have with your reader, mm-hmm. publishing is about selling copies of art, and they're not the same yeah. thing. And uh, oh, yeah. that's important to know. I thought the newspaper business was tough to get into the publishing end of it, but, <laughs> you know, wow, you know, different, whole different set of everything. But yeah, I, crazy. my big influence was Rod Serling in the Twilight Zone. I'd watch that uh, and listen to the narration, and it's like, oh, I, got, I want to do that. Not One of kid. the greatest storytellers ever. Oh, Talk I mean, about someone who can get to the heart of a story like that. Mm. Oh, my God. Something was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, he was my big catalyst to get me interested in writing and storytelling and stuff like that. So, but I envy cool. you on meeting those other legends. So, wow, that's... Yeah, know. and I, I, you know, one, one of the upsides of, of being in, in, in this business now is I, I sometimes get to meet you know, living legends that I really admire. Like I've gotten to meet Stephen King and Peter Straub and 
Robert McCammon, and those are the guys that I like worship as far as, as their ability to write. Joe Lansdale, you know, my God, mm-hmm. he's, I mean, he's a friend, but he's also uh, one of the great greatest writers alive. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, 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 I gotta tell you, Jonathan, you are always such a pleasure to have on. And Tom Sawyer, I respect you as a writer. You are a fantastic writer, and you are also a fantastic person, also. And I know that you're a fan of John Mayberry, and to have you two meet up and talk, that is like so cool to me. You know what's it's funny? Awesome. My son's name is Jonathan, too. Oh, nice. That's okay. Yeah. That's my grandson. part of the secret society yeah. of Jonathan. There's, there's, there's yeah. Yeah, I got, I got my own Jonathan. Nice. <laughs> Always my grandson. Yeah, speaking of that, uh, Dalton is also a fan of yours, and so is Joe. When I made the announcement, yeah. they were all like, <laughs> They were all like, really? <laughs> so... I mean, that's what's great about you is you've got this huge fan base, and you're so You don't together. I I I hesitate using the word fans. It it, it makes me a little uncomfortable. I just think we're all we're all just just pop culture nerds together. That's you know. Okay, or you could go with you could go. Jonathan, you could go with groupies. Oh, uh, no, that opens a, 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 a whole... Oh, come on, groupies is good. I figure I'm going to give up with my dream now. Yeah, we're back in the next room. Minions, so that... Yeah, Minions, I mean, everybody was ecstatic, and you couldn't make it, and I know why you didn't make it last week, because, I mean, we scheduled that so far in advance, and you had all these conventions, and then you did apologize, you're like, I'm so sorry, and... I've got to tell you why I didn't make it last week. There's an actual story to it. I, I apologize for but I, I'm one of those guys that I never take a day off. I mean, like, I go years without taking a day off, you know. I'll, um, so last week, I told my wife that we're going to, I'm just going to not work, not look at my calendar, not do anything. We're going to go out and have a fun day, a play day, a romantic day together. And I had totally forgotten that that was the same day where I was going to be on the show. But at least it was oh, for a good romantic I got all course. these conventions to go to. Oh, wait. I don't have to, No, I got friends to friends. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. No, I knew that we scheduled that weeks in advance. We did have a good show. Me and Don, we, we had like we a had three. A good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had a good time. Everybody, uh, everybody left us. It was either too late or they just disappeared. So we had our own fun. Um, at, well, least you did, really at least, you know, you did, you know, you did, we were talking and you're like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot. And you, you were here and I was like, I'm going to tag Jonathan today and I'm going to make sure that he knows. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, it, it, oh, it, it I, I, I had my clock set, my, my, my calendar buzzed me and everything else. My wife even told me. So today there was no chance in hell I was going to miss it, but I do apologize. For that. <laughs> that, that the only problem me and Francie had was that everybody left us, and for the last half hour, it was just... <laughs> I me. know, and we were oh. like, okay, let's make the conversation, and then ultimately it was like... And you wouldn't like, there was something seriously wrong with us, because we just got into and then I started telling jokes, and poor Francie was laughing so hard, I thought she peed herself. You know. <laughs> no, <laughs> it but I do, good. Uh, 
Yeah, it was a great show. And I do have to talk about the show last week. Yeah, uh, Our buddy too. Fred. Well, yeah, I left because my battery died on my phone. Oh, no. And <laughs> so that's why, so that's why I left. <laughs> My battery died. The show's done. My battery died. Sorry, my no, battery no, died. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. no but what it was is our uh, buddy Fred Weehy called in, and he himself uh, wanted to say thank you for uh, putting some blurbs of his book and stuff like that. So that's why Fred yeah, called him. Fred Wee is also a huge fan of yours. Uh, oh, he's a great Fred. guy and he's a fantastic writer. So, yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I had Fred a Wee week, Yeah. Oh, so we did have... Wait, uh, there was something... Wait, Nick wants to take the phone, but he's in the pool and he's... Hold on, Nick, step outside the pool because I don't want you to drop the pool. I don't want you to drop the pool. Drop the pool. Uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there, is, there is something I wanted to say real quick because you were talking about your um, your elementary school librarians, and mm-hmm. you know uh, when I was at Condor Elementary School, I wrote this little poem about ducks crossing the road and going into the pond. And I uh, worked at my aunt's daycare, my aunt Pat Elkins. Um, I worked at her daycare about 20 years later, and the daycare students actually said that they read that poem of mine. Really? 20 years later, they put my little poem in a binder in a notebook, and the kids that I was helping out with the daycare actually read that and they were like, that was so cute. And I was like, wow, they, and I remember writing that. How wonderful that was that? Quack, 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 across the street, into the pond, quack, quack, quack. As they swim in the pond, they say quack, quack, quack. But the Condors, they, it was like a little joke poem and they pulled it out of my notebook and they put it in a binder. And 20 years later, kids that I'm babysitting is like, I read your poem about the ducks. And I'm like, I remember the ducks. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that that's cool? Great. I mean, that's fantastic. yeah, that that's cool. kind of cool. Okay. Okay. Next. But that was something that you were talking about with your elementary uh, librarians. Mm-hmm. That was something that kind of struck a chord with me, too, when you were talking about that. I remembered about the ducks. And, and, and librarians, by the sense? way, are are the unsung heroes of the book world. They they are they're superheroes. I love them. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, here's Nick. Nick's saying, give me the phone. He's in the pool, though. Yeah, I'm in my little uh, Walmart pop-up pool that I go in every day in between, like, publishing people and doing whatever on the computer. And uh, uh, for for everybody that's followed uh, the whole Black Betsy books progression and knows that we migrated from an apartment and renovated my parents' garage so I could look after my folks, and we got we we got our own little personal Xanadu here <laughs> with um, with the palm trees and the little pop up pool and everything. 
Uh, I forgot the point that I was trying to make, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm actually in the pool. You know, though, no. I, I, you know, that the last time um, Jonathan was on the show, I think I probably said the same thing. But whenever I think of Jonathan Mayberry, the first thing that always crosses my mind, God bless him. And, you know, I mean, it just so happens the very first thing whenever I think of Jonathan Mayberry is not his works, is uh, not how, how great of a person he is. When you when you meet him, but uh, is, is 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 my um, instance in Toronto when I went to the World Horror Convention in Toronto, <laughs> and my luggage did not get there with me, and I I uh, I I actually paid for tables for other authors, so we had like three tables. They were going with uh, like Sue Dent and uh, Louise Bomber and Christy Tallman. And uh, mm-hmm. I, they had, like, when Jonathan Mayberry flowed in with the people, he was looking at it because we were the first three tables that you saw. Uh, that they, uh, The other authors had all their books, and there I was with nothing, kind of twiddling my thumbs at a, <laughs> at, at, at a six-foot long, like, white table with nothing on it. And, and, but uh, he was talking to me, and we talked for a little bit. Well, about two hours later, uh, I got uh, uh, some some fundage from an ATM, and I was able to go to the mall across the street and buy uh, stuff that made me uh, look better and smell better. And I slicked my <laughs> hair back. And so after I, I introduced my uh, – well, we knew each other before that, but I shook his hand and I talked to him a little bit. About two hours later, when I came back and I did all that, he was like uh, – I had my hair slicked back, and he thought I was somebody else, and it took him a couple <laughs> of minutes to realize, and I scared him. I scared him. <laughs> well, it was a startling transformation, dude. I mean, you know, it, it didn't seem like there was even enough time for you to become a different person, but you looked totally different, so – I thought I was in the middle of a plot of somebody's weird, weird, uh, paranoid thriller novel. It was great. <laughs> just it was out of necessity, I finally got my stuff. I just had to feel fresh enough. <laughs> and then, oh, there's Jonathan Mayberry again. Hey, how are you? And it's like, I don't know you. Yes, you do. But <laughs> it's like, that is a whole, like, weird experience and stuff. That that was actually, just on the side, I think that we're in the after hour for a few seconds, I, I just I, I want to I have to say this. Uh, I know that Jonathan Mayer, Mayberry knows what I'm talking about. Is um, um, when at that convention, uh, one of the highlights for me was when Brian Keane was talking um, in the lobby uh, to about 50 people, um, and he was reading passages from a novel by Nicholas Pachione. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I came out of the elevator and Brian wanted me to read a passage. And I said, you guys, you're, you're like fueling the fire for those of don't, you don't know any better. Pat Jones kind of a, he's a weird guy that everybody wants to like, you know, disassociate themselves from and me too. But I mean, you know, it's, still, <laughs> it, it's, it, it was like, uh, it was a weird kind of experience over there. And I, just I um I just love every writer for what they are. And um you know, the horror writing um genre has like you know, there there's like Jonathan, 
it's amazing if you actually go to a convention and you see these people that you read for the first time, they are all so loving. They are so loving. And it's not what some, some people might expect. It's like horror. Uh, but like right. um, uh, uh, like um, a, a lot of times when I see Jonathan at the Stoker Awards um, or uh, uh, World Horror Convention so forth, just like in Toronto, uh, it, it, these are the most amazing, amazing people that you will ever meet. I don't care if you're a plumber, you go to a plumber's convention and you say, oh, those guys are great, or like any other kind of like way of life. These guys are like, I, I think it's probably because we're all creative and we have something in common. But uh, it, it's it's amazing. Jonathan is one of the kindest, kindest, most respected people. And I think it, I, I, Jonathan has gone like so far in so little time with all of the stuff that he's done, um, and he's he's so respected in our our little corner of the entertainment industry, as far as books and, and comic books and, and things are concerned. I just I I can't I can't um, I can't press on everybody enough that uh, uh, you know. He's a, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. And a great uh, I, I appreciate those words, even if they are, even if you are completely misinformed, but I do appreciate them. Misinformed. Yeah. <laughs> and, no, and really, way, Tom, truly. I, just wanted, I want to tell Tom something real quick. Since I just met you tonight, I just went uh, over to my online bookstore and bought Dark Harbors. So I'm looking forward to oh. reading it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Oh, Whoa, fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, thank you. Nice. Yeah, so uh, yeah. I will let you know what I think. Oh, okay, cool. Thanks. I'm flattered. I was, I don't know really yeah, I, I got to tell you, too, that Tom Tom's a, a hardworking, you know, there's there's authors that I accept that I publish, put my hard money into, and they don't do anything at all. And uh, that was like, you know, it's a learning experience. I got to tell you, Tom's one of those guys. He just, like, he pimps his books at convention after convention, and he works his ass off. And that's, uh, like, like a lot, like most of all of our authors are doing now. Um, But uh, it's just, you know, case in point. You got to, can't just, you know, put a book out there and do absolutely squat. And expected to sell. You know, you got to publish. You got to promote it yourself. Being the author, and I don't care what kind of stance you are in. If Jonathan Mayberry didn't promote a single thing, didn't was reclusive like Thomas Harris. Well, Thomas Harris, that's a whole other story. But I mean, you know, didn't do anything and go to conventions and do this and that and like do interviews like this one. Um, you know, he would be just as great of an author, but he just wouldn't have the great fan base that he has. It's just getting the word out, folks, and being a great talent. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, really important the, to, to be an active player in your own career. I mean, to not yeah. uh, assume that because you've written something that the world's going to just beat a path to your door. It doesn't work like that. Oh, no. You've got to be you know, proactive. Exactly. Exactly. And, exactly. and that's you fun. Know. I mean, I, the, yeah. the trick I found for making it work is I take 10 minutes out of every hour that I write for, and, and you use it for social media, for promotion and, and, and other things. And that really helps drive it. Plus, I, you know, I, I'm out there. You know, I, I do a lot of yeah. events. And it's important for us to get behind the wagon and push. 
you know, it was one of the most yeah, rewarding you know, that, that, and satisfying things that ever had happened to me was this year was I was at Motor City Comic Con. I almost sold out of my books, but I had a mm-hmm. person come from Calgary, Alberta, Cam- Canada. They said they drove like 14 hours to get there, and that was one of the, their first stop at the convention because they oh, read one of my man. books earlier. And that was just like, wow, that is humbling. Yeah, so that's that, like, that's, I must be doing something okay then. Because that was like, be. that's great. Well, yeah, I see that. I, you post a, you post a lot of that stuff uh, on your on your Facebook page too. I try to gobble it up any chance I get to, uh, you know, put it on my Twitter and all of my, you know, social media thing. But that's that's the thing though. I mean, you could be the best writer in the world, and if you aren't behind your own stuff, expect other people to promote it for you. You're not gonna. Yeah. It's just not gonna work. I mean, no. um, but uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, Jonathan has he does like. All kinds of, he's everywhere. The guy is, ev- what kind of like energy, did, did, do you recommend some kind of energy substance or drink? Or I mean, you got you are very prolific and I follow you uh, just about everywhere you go on social media. You might, I mean, I, I might not, you know, I just, I look and I see and I go, hey, yeah, he's doing that, he's doing that. And, uh, <laughs> but, I mean, man, you're like, uh, when do you have time to breathe? Uh, well, I, you know, a lot of my reading is either on the beach, which, you know, I live on the shore now, so I do have to take time to read and for fun. I listen to a lot of audio, and I travel a lot, and i got to read while I'm doing traveling. Otherwise, I'll go crazy, you know, swimming on airplanes. Um, but I, I, I'm into, I learned good time management from journalism class. You know, I don't think about it. I, I just do it. And, um, you know, I devote time. I make time for all the different things that are necessary for both creativity and driving my business. And I'm always looking for ways to refine that process, you know. And I know people like people like Kevin J. Anderson and Rachel Kane and Nancy Holder and a few others are incredibly um, prolific, but they're also really good at the the business of promotion. So you learn from the people who are doing it well. And uh, luckily, they're all good people who are willing to share tips and secrets and you know to to network. And you know, I pay attention. I, I do my homework so that so that I can I can move things forward and have fun. Right, you have to do that too. You have to like yeah. The, and what I've always tried to tell my authors and people, anybody that asks me, it's just it's elementary. Uh, is you have to if you're gonna be any any kind of thing that you want to be. Not I'm not just talking about writing. I'm talking about anything. Um, once you once you grab hold of that and you say that's what I want to do, you have to pay attention to what's going on in that industry you want to be in. You have to pay attention to your industry and what's going on and affiliate yourself and and get involved. Yeah, getting involved yeah. is big. Yeah, work hard and have passion for it too. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and look for the fun. You know, if you're not yeah. having fun, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, and Jonathan is a great example. He's a perfect example. He's having all the fun in the world. I've read interviews with him where he, he uh, uh, most of the time he refers to his childhood, saying, I can't believe that this is going on right now. I mean, when I was a kid, I never thought that this was what would happen to me. And, you know, here he is, point A to point B to point C in his life, and here he is right now, and he's doing things that um, that entertain all of us on a mass appeal. And he, I, I bet you he's going to, a couple of years, two, three years, four years from now, he's uh, the, the more 
that he does what he does, he's going to be more and more of a household name. He is already a household name. I mean, he's not yeah. going to... Yeah, he already is. Yeah, Jonathan, we all want to move ourselves a little forward, but, you know, I, it's, it's funny. I, you know, you want commercial success because that's, what, that's, that's a big part of it. But at the same time, it, it really does come down. You, you've got to do what you're having fun with and what also uplifts the people around you. And if you and the people around you are having fun and moving forward, then, then there's nowhere to go but up. Yeah. Yep. I mean, oh, we're making inventions. I try giving people my time as much as possible, too, because that's, yeah. you know, they're coming back to buy your books, and you want them, hey, if you like, and I've been fortunate for me, I've had people, hey, what do you got this year? And it's like, boy, it's, this is going to be a demand. I'm about to try to put something once a year, you know. <laughs> and But you also give them your time, too, other than, you know. Yeah, of course. Because they're uh, grateful. Uh, they're good to have pe- yeah, you know. Hey, uh, hey, Jonathan. Um, yeah. Uh, being that we, we, we're well into overtime and everything, and and people that that uh, download this uh, can listen to it later. Um, uh, I I know that, and I you know I really love uh, jo- Johnston's Wolfman, and uh, I, I'm full aware of the whole uh, you writing the book for it. Um, it makes me think about when I did Halloween Four. And you got great acclaim, a well-deserved great acclaim for uh, for doing that. I love the Wolfman movie. I think Johnston did a great job like he always does with movies. Um, mm-hmm. uh, are um, uh, any, like, bites from, like, Joe Ledger stuff um, about feature films, anything from Hollywood going on that oh, yeah, we yeah, should yeah, know about? The early part of this conversation, brother. Yeah, we, we're... Uh, oh, it's, sorry. It's, it's, it's I, did it. I did miss yeah. it. I did miss it. Yeah, it is an option, and the producers are exploring both TV and film options, uh, film possibilities, and they, we have some big, big, big meetings this week in Hollywood. So I'm hoping to have some news soon to share. But it's it's one of three projects that are that are heading to Hollywood. The other is uh, the other two, Rotten Ruin is in development for film, and um, it's in the early stages. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, thank you. V Wars is in very, very uh, enthusiastic development with Tim Schlotman, the head writer for Dexter, as our showrunner. And um, the production team is people who did Walking Dead and Mad Men. So we're, they're actually going out shopping the first week of September to cable networks to find us a home. But they're pretty, pretty sure that they're going to find us a home. And uh, so we got there's a lot of stuff in Hollywood happening. And I'm also writing between projects, a, a pilot for a potential TV series based on Ghost Road Blues. Oh, oh, fantastic. And that's my first that's attempt fantastic. to write a screenplay. Yeah, that's my first attempt to write a, a, a TV script. Um, so we'll see how that turns out. But my agent, my, my film agent asked me to, to do that because he had some interest. And um, I've always wanted to write for TV. So this is my opportunity to write a pilot and see how it goes. And we got some interest in a couple other projects too that I can't talk about yet. Oh, oh, well, that's good. I, I know we'll soon find out about them if it comes to, uh, you know, fruition. But, you know, yeah. it, just like I said, you know, of about four or five years, everybody's going to know about you. It just keeps climbing. I mean, I think you it'll know. be sooner than that. Yeah, uh, it'll if, be sooner. If uh, one of these TV shows goes yeah. from development to production, and hopefully, uh, 
you'll hear me screaming. <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be within two years. I think it'll be within two years, year and a half. There you yeah, go. If that. Uh, Jonathan, I have a quick question. Uh, do you have any book signings or any appearances you're going to be making anytime soon? Oh, good Lord, yes. Um, I'll be at Dragon Con Labor Day weekend in Atlanta, um, and I'm doing a slew of panels and signings, including an X-Files panel with Kevin Anderson, Casey Candido, and, and Sarah Stegall. Um and uh, so I'll be I'll be there. I'll be at Central Coast Writers in San Luis Obispo um, coming up uh, in October. And then also at the end of October, it's not in the United States, but that's kind of cool, is um, Lucka Comics and Games in Tuscany. I'll be a guest over there um, in Italy uh, on Halloween weekend. That's going to be Very cool. And you know, oh, very I'm good. also doing uh, I, I, a... a and it's one last thing. I'm also doing a signing on September 25th in Mysterious Galaxy in San Diego because I have two books coming out on September 22nd. I have the fifth Rotten Ruin book, Bits and Pieces, and I have a, a Dead a Ghost Walkers, a, a novel inspired by the uh, ro- role-playing game Deadlands, and they both come out at the same time. We're doing a signing on the 25th of September. Uh, are you going to be in Sacramento anytime soon? Or any kind, Sacramento? Not that I'm aware of, but I don't rule it out because my schedule tends to change, like, really rapidly. And um, I'm actually going to be putting up a revised schedule on my on my Facebook page in the next uh, week or so. Ah. Okay so, okay, so I got a question. How come none of you guys ever come to Pennsylvania? I, I moved <laughs> from Pennsylvania <laughs> two years yeah, ago. Yeah, I'm having issues here. Everybody's going out to California. You're supposed to come this way. Well, I was just in New York City. Uh, but, well, yeah, uh, but I'm in Pennsylvania, not New York. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, Pennsylvania is my home state, so I will be coming back. I, I don't know exactly when or which part mm-hmm. of it, but, you know, I know the, the next time I, I guarantee I'll be in, in Pennsylvania will be Lancaster next okay. uh, sp- spring for the Pen Writers Conference, which is a writers' conference, and I'm giving the uh, keynote speech there. Uh-huh. Nice. Well, I'm not that far away. I'm in Meadville. Oh, okay. Um, I and, you and, know where that is. Yeah, yeah. And, okay. and they're, they're, I mean, I'm getting new dates added all the time, so I'll, I'll be around. Okay. Uh, Nick gave me the phone back. He's swimming now. You guys, I got to look at Nick without a shirt on for like the last 30 minutes. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's my question, Jonathan. If I was to send you my book, my little book, it's called Werewolf. Um, would you read it? It depends on how fast you want it read, but probably yes. You would? Sure. Man, to have. I helped write it. If if you were to read my book, oh my gosh, I would feel so privileged. So you said the magic so word. So if werewolf, I was so, to yeah. send you a copy of my book, Werewolf, I wrote things in it. Yeah, so wait um, for my copy. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, 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 I ordered some copies. Um, so, um, uh, Jonathan, I, I might have a copy left over. If I was to send it to you, would you read it? Yes. Uh, Joe, you're getting a copy also. It's a good book. I'm I enjoyed it. 
Well, Tom Sawyer read it. I'm yeah. waiting. She's been promising me. I'm waiting. Yeah, I'm waiting for it to be delivered, too. Uh, but, Jonathan, would you read it? I keep saying yes. Okay. Oh my gosh, that would be such a privilege oh if you if you if you read it. That would be such an honor. I, I would be happy to. Oh, okay, fantastic. So, uh, if you could email me your address or message me on Facebook. Fantastic. Okay, uh, the British woman is about to cut us off, and we know how I that know happens. I- yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, who's gonna play John Link tonight? I think we should make Tom do it. Oh, again. Tom, <laughs> you, you're you you're so doing well. John Link. By the oh, way, John Link. John Link is out of the hospital. Um, he's still under a lot of stress, so he well. couldn't call in tonight. But he well, will try to call in very soon. <clears throat> He's okay. under a lot of stress. He's the king of the B-rated movies. Okay. All right. Okay. So Tom Sawyer is going to send this out John Link style. Jonathan, I said goodbye. All right. uh, and, uh, Jonathan, Nick said bye-bye. He's in the pool. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. He's he's literally like his head is. I look like a frog. He does look like a frog. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine Nicholas Grabowski as a frog. And Jonathan, this has been a great show. And whenever you want to come back on the show, please, I'm going to message you all the time. Jonathan, right. which I always have, Jonathan, too. Jonathan, I want you back. Jonathan, back. I want you back. I'll be back. I'll be back. Okay. I, just, I just sent you via Facebook. You can you be our groupie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can be our groupie. <laughs> and Jonathan, if, when you come to Michigan, it would be an honor and a privilege to buy you a drink. If you're drinking, I'll buy the second round. Oh, that would be so okay, awesome cool. to have Tom and Jonathan <laughs> together side by side. I gotta That'd see be the fun. photos because Tom Tom <laughs> has been really excited since he found out that you're gonna be on the show. Well, He's yeah, a huge fan. Tom, and uh, I'm looking forward to reading your book. Oh, thank you. All right. All right, guys. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. This was this was it's great. It's been awesome. We you appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you, Jonathan. Now, right. now, Tom Sawyer's got us in the south, John Link style. All right, Tom. All here right. you go. And this concludes this major broadcast history with Jonathan Mayberry and the cast and crew of Fancy and Friends for tonight. And so we set we set off into the. Nighttime darkness into the strange and weird, and it's time to say good night, everybody. So good night. <laughs> good night. <laughs> I think soon we're gonna have this in the Tom Sawyer style. Uh-huh. That was amazing. <laughs> oh nice wait, done. we're still here. Yeah. Well. Okay. We, okay. I jumped right, the gun. Good night. Huh? Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.
night, everyone. Great job, John. Thank you, Jonathan. Good night in German. And Nick said good night. In German. In German. (laughs) And I sent your request, Jonathan, so this way you can keep me up to date when you're in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, by the way, give your Facebook page so everybody would know. Yeah, yeah, pages. Because you run it all. Yeah, where do you find them? Is Jonathan still with us? Jonathan Mayberry. At uh, I'll, I'll I'll send you guys all the links. All right, Andrew. Okay. And all right. Good night, everybody, and uh, don't forget, keep listening to us. You never know who's going to pop up. Uh, We are expected to have Jeremy Miller on very soon and uh, Tony Todd. Nice. Nice. Good good lineup coming up. Um, Remember, don't, don't, don't bite your friends. Okay. Good night, everybody. Bye bye. Bye. Oh, that was just in time. The battery's about to die. (laughs) Oh, I'm still on. Yes, you are. (laughs) It was like battery dead. Okay. (laughs) Don't. Don't. Don't bite your friends. Good night, buddy. Night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.